the one thing that, that you have in common with Christians and brothers is no matter what you do, whether it's drinking with the buddies, there's always that threshold. There's that right. level. And uh, I definitely got to that level. All right, guys, welcome to the show. We are the Common Denominators. This is Ryan. I've got to my left, Adam, Kyle, Daniel. I almost forgot his name. <laughs> the other guy. And Lance. Poor Daniel. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry about that, Daniel. I don't know. It's already been a long week, and now I feel like uh, I'm just being forgotten here. <laughs> yeah, well, I miss you. Uh, I know you wouldn't know that by the way I uh, introduced you, but we uh, I noticed uh, this week we've got a little bit of a perfect attendance streak going. Have yeah, you noticed that? I know. We're on a heater. Five or six, maybe episodes in a row, I think. And uh, tonight we are plus one. We've got a special guest, Travis Howe, in the house. Hello. We'll let that be the teaser. We'll we'll, we'll give you a little yeah. bit more about Travis <laughs> and why he's here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who is Travis? We don't know. We found him on the sidewalk. Yeah, <laughs> you know his voice. Yeah. Could be Pastrada. Could be yeah. about anybody. But hey, if you're listening, uh, as always, we appreciate you guys. Uh, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play. What else are we on? Spotify. And Spotify. Yeah. And if you uh, haven't yet and you feel like you really like us and you'd like to leave us a five-star review, we would appreciate that. And if you haven't yet followed us on Facebook or Instagram, you can find us at Common Pod. So it's going to be a good show. We've got a uh, new segment that we're going to introduce. That's called Full Disclosure. We'll give you guys a little bit more about what that means in a minute. We're going to put Travis through the uh, infamous two-minute drill that we like to do. And then we'll get into an interview with him and uh, learn a lot more about his life. So looking forward to it. You guys ready to roll? Yeah, let's, let's roll. Go. All right, guys. So let's uh, try this new segment, Full Disclosure. I was trying to think of a, an analogy for it this week. And do you guys remember like on Fridays in the lunchroom when there'd be like the mystery casserole? <laughs> you remember this? Like mashed potatoes, some green beans things yeah, things left over left over week. from yeah. the from the earlier in the week that's pretty much what this episode is it's we we take our uh boom roasted segment the events of our life that have happened in the last couple of weeks anything we've funny that's on social media or that we saw on the news anything that the people need to know about is what's going to go into this segment it's going to be a big mismatch of all kinds of stuff i got to give my first full disclosure is uh Thank you to Lance for coming up with the name Full Disclosure. <laughs> You're welcome. Where did, you, where did you come up with that term? I don't I've never know. Heard that. It's like never, we never say it. I've never heard us say that on the podcast. I think that's a Binkleyism is what yeah, that's turned into. I like a Full Disclosure. Binkleyism. Yeah. So Lance, how are we supposed to use the phrase Full Disclosure? So I'll, I'll give you an example just to start things off. Will that work? That's yeah. perfect. Okay. So this is at least how I envisioned it. So Full Disclosure, I'm never going to Pittsburgh again. And here's why. Um, in terms of where I rank it as my uh, you know, favorite cities, it's all the way at the bottom. I hate Pittsburgh, I'm never going back. Had to go there for a wedding last weekend, and we actually drove the whole way from Nashville to Pittsburgh, oh. two kids in the car. No wonder you hate it. Drove all the way through the night to get there, only made two stops. Are you sure you don't just hate traveling instead yeah. of just... No, <laughs> actually, the, the kids did great. I mean, I'd lost like all kinds of sleep, but because uh, we took off like at midnight and got there, you know, early in the morning but it's actually only an eight-hour trip but here's why I hate Pittsburgh is because the hotel experience there was awful everybody that was involved in the wedding party just had awful hotel experiences we get there and half of the power in our hotel room is working half of it is not I have to literally move the mini fridge over to like one side of the hotel room to get the mini fridge working air conditioners not working elevator is not working either so like all the electricity is out for like the first half of the day that we're there um, honestly, the best part of Pittsburgh, like, is when you're driving to Pittsburgh, you go under this awesome tunnel, you come out onto this bridge, and you can see, like, the uh, stadium where the Steelers play. But after that, it's pretty much all downhill from there. <laughs> so now, it's uh, Three River Stadium for our uh, listeners. Yeah, sure. so are, you, are you sure you shouldn't be directing your hate at the hotel yeah, that's and what I'm not thinking. the city? Uh, I mean, maybe, but... Uh, 
I just don't like Pittsburgh. So. Well, I hate the Steelers too. Yeah. That's what I was about yeah. to go. I was yeah. about to say the Steelers. Yeah. Suck. I mean, now I see why yeah. everybody are such a, you know such big Steelers and Penguins fan because like there's just nothing else out there it's in Pittsburgh. Money but bad on hotels, sports teams, and not motel yeah. rooms. Yeah. 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 Infrastructure. Yeah. They Very don't even have enough money to get different colors for any of their sports teams. Yeah, they They're just all use exactly all the same. The same. Yeah. Remember those throwback uniforms that they made them wear? They look like bumblebees. Uh, awful. Oh, oh yeah, awful. They probably spent all kinds of money on that ugly uniform. So, yeah. Do y'all think the players were excited about that? No, 100% not. There had to be like a little mutiny in, the, oh, in the locker room. Yeah, that's what happened to their season that year. That's why Antonio Brown left. <laughs> he didn't wear that uniform yet. <laughs> and then burn his feet off in the crowd unit. <laughs> so, Ryan, is, is that... Isn't Pittsburgh also where they like filmed The Dark Knight like in like that's Bain destroyed that's Pittsburgh. Yeah, basically. and they didn't have to change anything. Yeah, it pretty it much just, looked yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They would have been better off that way, just leaving it after Bain destroyed it. So. <laughs> Maybe Bain was right about destroying yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ryan, to answer your question, that's how I think full disclosure should go. You know, this this episode was going to be sponsored by the city of Pittsburgh, but I'm pretty sure they were. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Never going there again. <laughs> Y'all's list of listeners just dropped <laughs> yeah. off quite a bit. We're going to reach out to Had a pretty big following in Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> I had a uh, conversation with my wife yesterday. So full disclosure, mm-hmm. you had a conversation with your wife. Yeah, full disclosure. So uh, we're driving in the car. We're supposed to meet Ryan and Catherine for pictures at church. And uh, we're supposed to be there at about 1020. So my ETA on my GPS says 1020. Well, we're sitting there, and this is about 12 minutes out. So she texts Ryan's wife and said, okay, we'll be there at 1020. And I said, we're not going to be there at 1020. We're going to be pulling in the parking lot at 1020. By the time we get out of the car with two kids and work our way through the traffic inside, it'd be more like 1023. She's like, well, it's no big deal. They don't care. I was like, (laughs) why wouldn't you just say, hey, we'll be there about 1025, and then we'll show up a couple minutes early i said exceed expectations exactly <laughs> and this brought up a very not heated but a very tense conversation because she maintains most people don't really care if you say you'll be there at ten twenty, as long as it's by ten forty-five, it's fine and i maintain no you say ten i'm going to start making my way there about ten fifteen, ten eighteen. and my thought was what if they're in the middle of a conversation with somebody at 1018 and Jay looks down and says, like, hey, we got to hurry up. We got to go meet them at 1020 and we roll in at 1023. Couple so, things to unpack here. Lay it out. One, you're my only friend that would tell somebody 1023, which I, <laughs> which I, which Every, I admire. Everybody yeah. else deals, deals in five yeah, minute fives. increments. It's, yeah, yeah. At, the, at, the, at the least fives. Second, I love your wife, but I'm with you on this one. If you tell somebody you're going to be there, you know, three, four, five minutes one way or the other is okay, mm-hmm. but habitually late or 15 to 20 minutes late not cool she she and she will maintain this i'm not throwing her under the bus but she is habitually late and i tell her the reason is because when she says okay i'm ready to go that doesn't mean she's literally ready to go that means i got about 10 more minutes right and so i mean i know the code I, i know how to decrypt that most people don't so when you say hey i'm on my way and you're not even in the shower yet you yeah. probably got a little bit more time. Yeah. You tell me to be here at 6.30, and I was out front listening to music in my truck at 10 after. <laughs> I, I'm not a late person. Everybody yeah. in my family pretty much is. It's like a drill sergeant. That's why you're here. <laughs> yeah, that's a woman thing. I was never late until I got married. Well, full disclosure, when Adam and Julia walked in, they had on their game face that I would have known, not have known that y'all had just been in an argument. Had that's a, uh, 12 years of marriage. <laughs> knock down, drag out argument. Just like all of us, just yeah. cover it right yeah, up. Yeah, just put it the was smile well done. That's right. Well, I've got one this this week. Uh, you guys may remember last week we had our mailbag, or last episode we had our mailbag episode, and uh, my cousin was the one that sent in the question that Lance didn't like about Uh-oh. about voodoo. So uh, he's a faithful listener still, thank goodness, after Lance was a... faithful uh, voodoo practicer? <laughs> <laughs> oh. He, he, uh, he really liked that part of the episode. Uh, he wanted to call me, call me and tell me that. But then he followed it up with, uh, which one of you guys drives the, uh, the Honda Pilot? Oh. Ooh, I said, oh, oh that's uh, Adam. Oh, tell, oh. tell me more. Oh, oh. <laughs> He said, yeah, I found it interesting that y'all did a episode on driving etiquette. And Uh as we were getting off the long hollow uh, exit, he said, 
he cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it was not like he was getting ready to take off my bumper, but he's like, it was pretty close enough to where it made me have to, rubbing, have, rubbing to put, have to put the brakes yeah. on. Rubbin' so, Drayson. Rubbin' Drayson. Uh, he just wanted to acknowledge that, and Ooh. I felt like I needed to oh, let you know, Adam. Well, I apologize to no one. <laughs> <laughs> so full, full disclosure. Let's stick with the driving etiquette theme. This seems to have really struck a chord with the nation that listens to this podcast. So I did some. I've I've been on the road with my job for 15 years now. I'm, I did something for the first time. I've never done this before, and I think I did it because of the driving etiquette episode. So I was merging onto I-24 West, heading towards Clarksville at the Briley Parkway loop. But the I could see it coming from a mile away. Guy in a, in a work van. He's we're gonna meet at the exact point where you've got to go to one lane. There's no even easing over. It's just one lane into one lane. It's like he's not merging. He's not merging. He's not merging. So I, at that point, I had a decision to make: either we collide, and I'm right, or I've got to eat my brakes and swerve over because it's too late to. We're not, I'm not gonna be able to avoid him at full speed. So I hence I, I start hammering my brakes, swerve over. He runs me basically into I-24. Thank goodness nobody's coming. I was able to kind of merge and keep going. But boy, I, at this point I was fuming. I didn't ignore. I was laying the horn. It wasn't the nice beep beep. It was full blown horn <laughs> blowing. And it just so happens he had a house my driving sticker <sighs> call and the truck number. So I give it about ten seconds of following him. At this point, he realizes he's done something wrong. Because he just hammers the gas. He just takes off like he's like an important car. He realized he had that sticker on the back yes, of his truck. Yes, that's exactly what happened. I <laughs> said, oh, not today, not today. See, buddy. if only I had known that I had that sticker on the back of my <laughs> yeah. car, I wouldn't have cut yeah, your boy you wouldn't off. Have cut him off. So what happens when you call this number? I've, I've never called it. Okay, so this is the best part. I, I immediately <laughs> drop the hammer to catch up to Watch him, with. get the picture of the thing with the truck number. I slow down. Hands free, of course. Yes, hands free, absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. that's a whole other issue. Um Let's call the number, and I'm pretty sure my grandmother answered the phone. Oh, God. Car driving hotline, how may I help you? Uh, got a vehicle to cut me off. Okay, well, I'm going to, here's what I'm going to need from you. And what should have been about a minute, minute and a half conversation was a good eight to ten minutes of me describing what exactly happened to what I'm thinking is an 80-year-old woman who never relayed that to anybody. I think it's just some body you call that they pay makes $10. you feel better yeah that makes pay ten dollar an hour too and then she crumbles it up and puts it in the trash can what yeah. would be justice for this driver i mean what kind of punishment are you looking to get here for this i guy? think probably like a public lynching mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like some time in the stockade something like that yeah, if, you, if you're not going to yield when there's a giant two yield signs on both sides of yours and you're you're not going to acknowledge your wrongdoing they should they should take your phone number down and make those guys call you back and apologize yeah that'd be take me out something. to steak dinner would be nice yeah yeah all right. I've got one more. Oh, this double. actually kind of takes doubling up. I am because this is this one takes full disclosure to a whole new level. So, full disclosure, I'm going to have hernia surgery in about oh. 2 weeks. Oh. Yeah, turns out I've actually had it since about February, but mm-hmm. it was just one of those things where I saw this uh protrusion from the lower abdomen and I just kind of looked down at it and I was like, "Huh." You just thought you were growing more muscle. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, look, a ninth ab. Yeah, I got a, got a new muscle there. And uh, I was able to kind of, you know, you can kind of push it back in. And oh. I was like, oh, oh okay. Must, uh, must be okay. Like, it went away. <laughs> so I just did that for a couple months before I started Googling and realized that, oh, I think this is a hernia. And so finally went to have it checked out. And, yeah, it turns out it is a hernia, unfortunately. Mm. And the sad thing about it is I don't even think I – did it when I was in the gym lifting weights or anything. I just remember distinctly in February, I had a really violent cough. And I remember coughing so hard that I felt this pain in my abdomen. And I didn't think anything of it at the time, but I'm pretty sure that's when I had the hernia. And I, I ran it by the doctor and he, he said, yeah, he's like, I, I think that's probably when you did it. You know, so it's probably that or I, I, either I, I pooped too hard. I don't, I don't yeah. know. That might have been it. I mean, that, that's kind of sad, too. for being healthy. <laughs> yeah. Out yeah. Stuff. So, so, Travis, this would be a good time to fill you in that uh, Lance has a, uh, a big-time fear of having his <laughs> body operated, going in for one operation and something else getting done. So, Lance, how are you feeling about this? Yeah, I think I'm going to like – How many times have you confirmed? Are you going to draw a big circle around yeah, it? Yeah. You know, he, he, he made me – I will. I'll do the Sharpie thing. And uh, I, I was – 
trying to schedule my appointment today and they were like yeah you, you we're gonna want to schedule you for a pre-op you know uh, appointment too and and uh, i was like oh okay well i've never had a surgery before so i asked her i was like well you know what, what do i need to know for this she's like oh they're just going to go over some preliminary stuff for you about what's going to happen with your surgery and at the very end she laughed and she was like and they'll probably give you some soap too mm-hmm. and i'm like what is the soap for? I mean, I can kind of speculate, yeah. but I, I don't know. I just remember Adam's surgery stories, <laughs> him saying that the more work you do, the less they have to do. So I'm, I'm thinking it's something to do with that. I had a cardiac cath um, years ago where they cut you down there on your leg and run it up to your heart, for those of you who don't know. Was cardiac cath one of your band names? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an awesome... True story. Uh, we wanted to name one of my bands, uh, my singer said, I want to name the band Demetria Caladimos. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Was, we were thinking about thinking of band names. Band names. Another, oh, another one. Awesome. He said Demetria. But you got to say it like that. You can't say Demetria Caladimos. Yeah. You got to yeah. say Demetria Caladimos. Yeah. That would have been a good one, actually, for all our local for, Nashville people. Yeah, for those who don't know who yeah. Demetria Caladimos is, is she like a, an anchor, a news anchor, yeah. weather well, woman? She's like the yeah. news anchor. The, yeah. The, oh, for sorry, like the, the last 40 years yeah. on Nashville. Hey, that was a fun full disclosure. Yeah. You guys ready to pepper Travis with some questions? Let's, let's, get let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so we're going to give a big common denominator welcome to Travis here. And, hey, guys. And uh, Travis, Glad this is something that we do with all of our guests. It's called the two-minute drill. Okay. So we're just going to ask you a bunch of random questions, and the goal here is just to answer as many questions as you can within the time limit. Okay. Do you understand? I do understand. All right. I just need somebody to count us down, and we'll start. Let's go. Three, two, one. What do you do for a living? I'm a loan officer. Do you believe in Bigfoot? No. Who is your favorite heavy metal band? Pantera. Who is the most overrated heavy metal band? pass is pluto <laughs> a planet no what was your favorite cartoon growing up mickey mouse if you had to get a tattoo today what would it be come denominator nice you got what, five extra seconds for that. what is the last movie you cried in uh i don't i don't remember you gonna pass pass what is your favorite fast food chain taco bell what gives you road rage? Uh, people that drive slow. If you could have any job in the world, what would it be? Drummer. If you could only watch one sports team for the rest of your life, what would it be? Titans. In a survival situation, would you be able to amputate your own arm? No. What is your favorite podcast other than the common denominators? Uh, Joe Rogan. Who is your favorite musician? Tommy Lee. Have you ever been to a movie alone? No. What insect are you most scared of? None. What is the top bucket list item? Liar. Um, what is your top bucket list item? Uh, pass? I don't know. <laughs> what, what? What is your favorite hobby we wouldn't know about? Um, well, drumming is really it, seriously. <laughs> Time. I'm pretty boring. I'm pretty boring, guys. That was good. That was 19. Well, 19. he got 19, but he passed on three, I believe. Well, I, mean, so. I mean, you were asking questions pretty slow. Full disclosure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, know, I, I, I go too fast. I go too slow. I can't win. <laughs> when with you ask me my favorite cartoons, I've got four kids, and I'm sitting there getting confused with their cartoons that I happen to watch and what I watched as a yeah. kid. I mean, I was a GI Joe guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, G.I. Joe yeah, cartoon yeah, We would have accepted yeah, G.I. Joe. Joe. I know, yeah. but I started thinking of what my kids, kids listen yeah. and, and I'm You're a Mickey Mouse. I never paid you for a Mickey Mouse clubhouse guy. But <laughs> well, I because so. I just watched it with my daughter, <laughs> yeah. okay? Hey, you did good, though. I think you answered more than John. You did good. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, One thing definitely. that bothers me about Mickey Mouse clubhouse, uh, every time I watch it, I don't understand why Goofy is is bipedal, but but Pluto walks on all fours. Does that bother anybody else? Like, Goofy talks and walks on two feet. And is a dog. And is a dog. Yeah. And Pluto is also a dog, yet he cannot talk and he walks on all I believe it's Disney's effort to force evolution on us. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) It's going to bother me from here on out. Yeah, Yeah. it is. I just watch it still. You've ruined the club. Thanks, man. Travis, spiders, red wasps. Come on. I mean... That, bugs, I don't know why. I've never been scared. Bugs don't like... Yeah, no, I, snake obviously, if, if, I, if I 
go into the restroom or something and I see a big, huge tarantula, yeah, I'm going to be like, eh. But as far as like an actual bug that scares me, no. Yeah. I, I can't really think. We walked in I today. I say that. I'm yeah. going to throw them under the bus. We walked in and some big demon-looking hornet wasp fly thing. I thought it was a cicada. It was huge. He did one of the best ninja <laughs> kicks. Ninja <laughs> well, dad kick. Hold on. Let's set the scene. This is Adam. This is downstairs. Adam. Downstairs. Yeah. Downstairs, okay. we're walking in. He goes to his garage. He goes, boop, 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 boop. this possibly be on your uh, doorbell camera? Oh, totally that oh, because it Let's will just be. continue with okay. the conversation. <laughs> it will be. It was We'll be releasing the footage fantastic later. Fantastic ninja dad kick. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, yeah. ones that just kind of... It would have been even better if I'd have heard her. <laughs> but no. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we hope you like Well done, Travis. Yeah. Nice job. All right. So we've kind of got to know Travis a little bit just through some of his comments. we got to go a little bit deeper here. So, Travis, we're going to put you through a little something that it's a different way of introducing our, our guests. So we're going to go around here in a circle, and we're each going to name one thing that we know about you. But you're in the circle, so when it gets to you, you've also got to name something that you know about yourself. Okay. We're going to try to see if we can go around twice. All right. All right, Lance, start us off. All right, Travis, I literally just met you tonight, so I don't know anything about you except for the fact that I think you drive a silver Nissan Titan because I saw it parked outside the studio, a.k.a. Adam's house, when I came in. Correct. Travis, you went to the school that I am now the assistant principal of, so uh, that's kind of weird. Yeah, big circle. I saw Michael Jackson in concert live with the Jackson 5 when I was a young kid. Nice. And actually got the Michael Jackson Thriller jacket that I still own today. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah, now that's a Halloween costume waiting to happen. (laughs) I'm going to go with the obvious one here, Mm -hmm. but this dude is a killer drummer. Thank you. Agreed. And uh, I will expand on that to say that he used to drum professionally in a very popular band. Which we might get into yeah, later we'll on. Dig True. Into that. Uh, I will say that uh, Travis proposed to his wife Deanna Ooh. on stage at church and uh, made the rest of us guys look bad. Yeah, what a good dude. Still haven't recovered <laughs> yes, from that. Yeah. That was probably the most nervous I've ever been in front of an audience, which I not don't have fear of being in front of people. Yeah, but well, I was. Nobody could tell because everybody was like, oh but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did kind of want to. And all the guys. women were like, yeah, I wish my husband would have done <laughs> <laughs> All right, Travis, I know you met Fred Durst because of the picture you just showed where he was giving you the California howdy. Yep, limp. Yep, he <laughs> sure <laughs> did. Uh, Travis, you have a uh, young daughter that's what, like a yearish old? Nine months, could be Ooh. 10 months this month. Deep in the game. Almost. I've been to almost every state because my dad used to we used to travel a lot oh, in a and bus da- you and daniel right. would have a lot did he did he make you pee in a pickle jar <laughs> yeah that's a <laughs> you know i don't remember hey there's nothing nothing wrong with that <laughs> right. i didn't know Knox if it was a trend or not it doesn't no, doesn't seem to be no 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 my maybe dad, it was a mayonnaise used, jar <laughs> my dad used to be <laughs> condiment my dad and uncle Lee had uh pulling trucks and we used to go everywhere um for pulls before oh, monster sweet. trucks got oh. really big they had two pulling trucks and i got pictures of them still yeah that's cool that's deep in redneck game we absolutely yeah come up that way absolutely all right i'm gonna go with uh <laughs> y'all go to the same barber yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me make light of that let me, let me make light of that it's nice to have another good looking bald guy in the room it really is right it feels like we've equaled things out i'm gonna say that uh, travis enjoys uh Black coffee and long walks on the beach while reading poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Black coffee is correct. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Daniel mentioned your one daughter, but you also have two sons and a stepdaughter. I sure do. I and got, they're, a, I got a nine-year-old, thirteen-year-old, uh, and a fourteen-year-old going on twenty. My stepdaughter's fourteen. You got the age <laughs> spectrum covered. Yeah, that sounds very right. stressful. <laughs> yeah, it is. All right. So I know you know. Everybody's wondering why we've got Travis on here. I mean, uh, without giving away the story, I mean, you've got an incredible one that we all know a little bit about. Um, not a lot about, but a little bit about. And so, I mean, to summarize it, I would say it involves you chasing your dreams as, as a musician. Yep. There was a lot of wrestling uh, with the world and with God in that period. And then you made some decisions that I would say uh, changed your life forever. So that's what we want to get into tonight. So 
we know you're a musician. We know you play drums. Take us back to uh, your. How did you get into music? Like, take us when back did to, you start? Take us back to Wee Travis. Well, I, I go back to my dad. Um, we grew up listening to bluegrass. We had an old jukebox in our recreation room, bonus room like this. My dad. Um, we used to have the records that my dad bought it with at an auction. Seventies music, uh, BGS. Um, had a lot of bluegrass in it. The, what are they? Fifty sevens? Is that yeah, the? Is that right, correct? Yeah. The the small. I think it's right. Records. Right, yeah. They're full of that. And from the time I could, I you push two buttons and you'd play a song. And I couldn't read as a young kid, but I just knew to push two buttons and it would come. But I always knew the two buttons for Elvira from Oak Ridge Boys. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Papa Mao Mao. So yeah. And and. I, I just grew up listening to all kinds of music. My dad was friends with uh, Earl Scruggs, Bluegrass, and he used to listen to all kinds of uh, so gospel. Your, da- your dad was in, into music a lot. Yes, so yes he was. Yeah. In the 50s, he was in a band um, with Earl Scruggs' oldest son, and they were, um, I'm embarrassed I can't think of his name, the name of the band, but they were pretty popular in Madison in his high school. And um, he was a great guitar player, my dad. But... He graduated, went to Belmont, and then went into real estate for his dad's company. But always still music, music, music. I guess the where I went from listening to the Masters Five and Bluegrass and stuff was uh, Joan Jett, I Hate Myself for Loving You. And um, then after that, that's like probably the first like rock, I think. You know, besides like your, you know, stuff you hear on the radio. Right. But then... Um, I listened to Appetite for Destruction. That's what really changed my life. And I'll never forget, oh, yeah. it was seventh grade. Guns and Roses for yep. the uh, millennials Sorry. out there. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Seventh I grade. That. Download that one. <laughs> Good Pasture Band Camp. It's on Napster. Now. I was the first seventh grader to ever march at Good Pasture. Okay? So I play cymbals. So I go to band camp, and I go into the percussion room, and they're blaring Paradise City. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. And then I convinced, what is this? I'm <laughs> yeah, no, I convinced yeah. my mom to get it. And you got to think, because for a long time, I wasn't allowed to play my brother's drum kit, because he was the original drummer. But Trey actually was trained. I just listened and watched him know that the right hand goes to the hi-hat, left hand goes to the snare, and your right foot does something. So I'd watch him, and I'd listen, and I basically taught myself to play drums, and uh, got my dad got mad at me one time because he caught me playing drums. You know, I was a mama's boy. I'll be first to admit it. But when dad and brother weren't around, I got to go out there and play on the drums. Yeah. When daddy was in, I'd have to play fiddle a little bit. All right. <laughs> and I got good at it. And he little side it. note, I feel like I got to throw in here. Uh, at Catherine and, and my wedding, I took her garter off to Paradise City. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Travis. No, 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 no. So, it's so fair to say, I, I'm just picking up hints. You probably come up in a, a pretty conservative family. Yes. With the, the, those kind of conservative roots. and. Yes, it was. My mom was June Cleaver, and I was Tommy Lee. My mom, <laughs> June Cleaver. That's what she's, June yeah. Cleaver racing Tommy Lee. What was the yeah. first heavy metal CD you ever had? Uh, Metallica Master of Puppets. Oh, my. You speak to my soul. Metallica <laughs> Master of Puppets. Kyle almost fell back. Get, get off the floor. Oh, God. I start taking Metallica. his shirt off. Yep. That's my... <laughs> Give me one band to listen to the rest of my life, Metallica. But I'm going to say it, the worst drummer in heavy metal music. The man's a millionaire. Yeah. The man has sold a bazillion records, so he has done something right. Right. He has done something that I never did, and I respect him for that. Yeah. As a drummer, I mean, I can't believe I'm going on record saying this, but <laughs> Large, awful. if you're listening, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get a Facebook Full disclosure. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Full disclosure. Sorry about my Metallica tangent. I just had to go ask. Yeah, about but it was uh, uh, Master Puppets. You're becoming a drummer. Yep. Did your your dad and your parents just kind of accept it through just pure stubbornness on your part, or how did you transition in like, okay, I'm a drummer? Luckily, we had a house that was long, and the rec room that I was talking about where the jukebox was was on the opposite end of where my mom was. So um, a friend of mine at Good Pasture, we were sitting around, I don't know what year it was, but uh, he's like, yeah, I'll take guitar lessons. I'm like, really? And find out he lives right down the road from me. And he goes, and I got another friend that lives, my neighbor, he plays guitar. 
So I asked my mom, I said, hey, can we go get these guys and pick them up and come down and let's play a little bit? And so that was the beginning of... The genesis of yep. starting your high school band or yep. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So at this point, did you... I know you said you kind of were self-taught. Was there any point that you, like, started receiving kind of professional training of it? You just, just kept learning? Uh, marching band, but I had to have the... Um, I didn't know how to read music. Right. So um, I just knew how to drum, and I could listen to the parts and uh, kind of play by ear. Mm-hmm. Just learn it. Yeah. People like you make me mad. Yeah. If there's anything I could be, it would be a drummer. And I'm just I sit and watch. I'm like, there's no God did not give these two hands the ability to work together like that. Or in a foot, you throw a foot in there. I'm like, no, nope, no chance. Yeah. So no, no, no lessons, no training. Mm-mm. So you are you a better drummer than your brother? Yeah. Okay. That's hundred percent. I think no, my brother would he admit that too? He, but he's the thing. Yeah, he would. Yeah. Okay. But he uh, kind of swayed away, and I think the reason why I was able to, they kind of let me go to the drums, is because my brother found interest in the guitar. Right. So he kind of went to start playing the guitar a little bit, and that kind of gave me, you know, I was the little brother that tore everything up. Yeah. You know, I was an accident looking right. for a place to happen. Right. You know, and uh, that kind of transitioned me into, you know, them saying, okay, he, he drums. At what point did you start realizing, like, without being arrogant, but you're like, I'm pretty good at this. There's something here. I've got talent for this. Probably did, seventh, eighth grade. Yeah. When I started playing with uh, Brian and Jason. Yeah. Um, you know, they, although they had lessons, it just, we clicked. And, uh, you know, they would say, hey, let's learn Smells Like Teen Spirit. Or, oh, yeah. Here's War Pigs. Yeah. Learn War Pigs. Or they would tell me these songs to listen to. And, you know, there was no YouTube. There was no nothing. You had to either go buy the tape or they would loan me a CD. And I'd have to listen and to, try to, rip to, and to just figure out what the, yeah. that drummer was doing. Hmm. So you were, it was all audio learning. There wasn't really a visual 100%. learning. Yeah. 100%. So sixth, seventh grade, was that kind of when you started to form like your very first band? Mm-hmm. Did y'all have like a really like lame name too? That no you remorse. Okay. No remorse. <laughs> I love it. After Metallica. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, that was, I mean, it was crazy because uh, the guitar players, they, they all went to the same guitar teacher and they would learn a song. They'd both go in and say, hey, I want to learn Master Puppets or I want to learn, you know, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit or ACDC Black and Back in Black or they would get a song and they'd bring it to me and I would learn it and then we'd play it together. And it didn't take long. And I, we started writing our own stuff, and it was pretty horrible, but we'd start writing our own stuff really early. Mix in cover songs just to practice and get our chops together. But we'd sit around and write music 7th, 8th grade. I mean, pretty god-awful, but that's how we started. I started writing music because I would and always write with a guitar the process player. Yeah. Learn, yeah. yeah. It's just how to do that so. I absolutely trying, I was trying to beat Super Mario Brothers and you were writing <laughs> yeah. songs this guy's becoming a rock star <laughs> right, right. I'm gonna beat this level yeah. Yeah. Zelda you're going yeah. down yeah how okay. many bands were you in walk us through that real quickly okay. and then when did you Jason, think Jason was a singer in No Remorse Sloppy Adrenaline Hammer and 12 Volt Negative Earth okay after 12 Volt Negative Earth it was <laughs> I love band names yeah. Yeah. Band it was it was awesome. Sub Method after that and then O.Z. Willis. So if you want to count singers, graduated in 94. From seventh grade to 98, I was with one singer. And we kept in and out guitar players, bass players, doing stuff, just, you know, getting people that we could write music with or, you know, do stuff. And Finding the right mix, yeah. Absolutely. Typical then, band stuff if you watch any absolutely. of the documentaries. Absolutely. Yeah. I just believed in Jason. He was a great singer, great lyricist, and, and um, we always kind of had the same vision. Then sub-method, again, I got lucky and was able to – uh, land two incredible singers i mean two totally different singers but and i've always been blessed to have an incredible guitar player trey cody from 12 volt and tyler from sub method it's talking about how you talk about just having the natural ability to have a couple of guys sit in a room with a drum kit and guitars and be able to chart out a song i mean just to sit here and think of the songs that we never went anywhere with that were still good stuff i mean we probably burnt more songs than we ever recorded or played live so uh, i i feel myself really wanting to because i haven't listened to any of you know i know 12 volt negative earth was pretty pretty big but i haven't listened to any of that so i find myself really wanting to know like what your what your sound was like what your singer my so are dad there any- my dad said it was some of the best organized yelling he's ever heard <laughs> in his life 
and, and and it was heavy metal. Did you have a particular drummer you tried to that you kind of looked up? Obviously not Lars. We can go ahead and rule him <laughs> out. But um, was there a guy out there like God, man? He's that's that's who who's got it. Uh, you know, Animal and, and from I the get Muppets. Yeah, he's, he's one of them. Yeah. He's one of them. I get so much flack for this, and and I'm, I'm going to one of my favorite all time drummers besides your you know Simon Phillips. You're um, not a big fan of Neil Peart. But my thing, because I want to be entertained. If I'm going to pay, pay, what's a CD cost back when we were young? 20, 30 bucks, you know? Yeah. If I'm going to pay. Which is crazy, thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, just down, I just downloaded Tool for free yeah, out there. I got they just for a dumped dollar everything. Yeah. But yeah, we yeah. used to spend money and, and we'd watch their videos back when MTV played videos. Yeah. And then you'd go see their concerts. I wanted to be entertained. Right. And that's kind of where I guess I got, my thing is Tommy Lee. Yeah. And then um, I think who really made me the drummer that I am is Fred Corey. He's the drummer for Cinderella. He's okay. who produced one of the 12-volt uh, sessions. Because I thought I was good. Yeah. And I've done some recordings and stuff, but he brought us into um, studio to start tracking stuff. And he introduced me to what's called a click track. And... I thought I knew how to play until I heard this. That's what I hear in a lot of my, my ears at church, too. It's click track. keeps you perfectly in time. Hmm. So when you record stuff, you've got that going, and you got to play to it. Yeah. I was horrible. So watching Tommy Lee play, people like Fred play, that's, uh, I guess, where I kind of got the... I want to be entertained when I watch a drummer. What band? I mean, you, you started rising to have some success and uh, some fame on, on some level. I mean, Walk Us Through, tell us about that. Like, what was it like? What band was it? And what was that like for you to kind of be realizing your dream? It, it, it was 12 Volt Negative Earth and Sub Method, both bands. I got lucky to, two Nashville-based bands to get some notoriety. I don't know because you're so busy trying to keep it that you don't really think about it. You know, I mean, people enjoy what you do and they say, hey, man, you're a great drummer, but you always are trying to get more. You're always, right. you know, you wanting to secure that record deal or you wanting to go on this tour or you wanting to play this venue, open up for this band, you know, Starwood. You just want, it's just like anything else, you know. You just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. By the time you sit there and play the show, then you got to think, where's my next show? And then, oh, yeah, we need to create new music. And then we just spent a week writing 15 songs and all but one suck. You know, we're going to totally burn all these other songs. So you just spent a week writing in a, huh. in a sweat box in one of those storage units, 12-volt and sub-method. And you just spend time with all these guys, and, you know, you just it's a nonstop grind. And how old are you through this process? Is this early 20s? Or, I mean, see. as soon as you finished high school, did you go yeah, straight on the road? as soon as I finished high school. As soon as I finished high school, we started uh, writing, recording, on the road, playing shows, just right out of high school. So, you, so your goal at that point in time, you were like dead set on making it big time. Like I told Miss Ford goal, right? in ninth grade that I was not going to college. That was our my guidance counselor. <laughs> I knew right then I wasn't going to college. I was either going to be in a car business, a realtor, or a rock drummer. So how does that conversation go with the parents when you say, all right, high school's done, I'm hitting the road, I'm going to be a famous rock drummer? Well, with my dad, it was, Dad, I'm not going to waste your money going to college and, and flunking out. I appreciate that, son. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Uh, mom was a little more tough. She, uh, you know, just like any mom, you know, was worried about my well-being, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. She was very supportive, but she um, – I don't know. She took it a little hard because, especially after when I was gone on one of my first road trips, it's for cell phones or anything, and I called just to check in. And my dad found a letter that I'd hidden from Vanderbilt, giving me scholarship money to go to either Lipscomb or Belmont or one of those other to march for Vanderbilt. Oh yeah, you didn't hide that good enough. I did not. <laughs> I did not. And I just told him I never took my ACT, never took any of those things and and you know, I'm kind of embarrassed of it, but I'm not because I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. One of three things. And you know, I'm, you know, and it, if you're that committed to a dream even at that age, you're going to pursue it no matter what. So just like you you told your dad, "Hey, I, I I'm not going to waste your money. I can go to college and I can flunk out and waste $10,000." And, and regret 
not pursuing your dreams. So, I mean, you, you know, there's there's something to be said about pursuing what you want to do. I, I, I committed. I did. I just, I knew, um, you know, I just started thinking. I never had drum lessons. God gave me a talent. I felt us pretty good. And uh, I never, you know, everybody thinks MTV Cribs and, and millions of albums, but I didn't realize till I started playing it that, you know, I probably would never sell a million albums because that's really hard. Um, but I knew I could probably make a living at it and have fun doing it and be able at 44 with a dad bod say, hey, let me tell you some stories. Right. Yeah. You know, let's turn the mics off and I'll tell you some stories. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what the was hours. the uh, largest crowd you ever played for? Uh, oh, gosh. Okay. Starwood Amphitheater, BuzzFest. Uh, I went to if BuzzFest you, If you say Starwood to a certain generation, well, that's I just, like, holy yeah, cow. Yeah. Starwood? I got the laminate over there and... and, and you know, I don't know. However, many Starwood holds. I mean, there was a ton there, and yeah. it was it was it midday. Varies, yeah. It was midday, but there was still. It depends on how much rain there was. If you could sit on the hillside, oh, or it if was you slid hot. down the hill. It was oh, hot. yeah, Starwood yeah. was. Uh, and then uh, Cinderella was in Pops in St. Louis. That was a big crowd. I mean, I don't have numbers, but a bunch. Yeah, yeah. needless to yeah. say, it was... I mean, not Bridgestone Arena. Right, right. Okay, you know what I mean. But, but also not the local bar down here that a fifty people right, right. either. Yeah. yeah. And right. at the airport on a Tuesday they do yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You always know that guy's like, you got a ways yeah. to go, Hoss. But yeah. it, it sounds like you guys, y'all had a good time. You traveled a lot, played a lot of shows. At at, at what point in time did you kind of start? Because we know that eventually you you come to a I guess a crossing road in in, in your life and you decide to maybe go a different direction so you're having fun playing at, at what point in time did i don't know maybe doubt start creeping in your mind and you, you're thinking maybe i don't want to do this maybe i don't want to be a rock star 2001 uh the group i was with then was ozzy willis and um it was you know i don't know if it was doubts in my mind it's just i, I don't know what to say it was just kind of like boom i'm done yeah i mean there was no leading up to it I wish I could give you some cool story. Like <laughs> that's what we're know. looking for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at this point though, it's not like well, this thing's not working. This is a total failure. It was probably the opposite. Yeah. I mean, you were we kind were, of rising. We were, we were this last group I was with. Um, we were had a um, showcase for at the Exit Inn for a couple of labels. We already had a management contract, and um, so as a comparison, y'all were playing minor league baseball at this yeah, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, Where, that's, you know, a very, that's a very good yeah. comparison. We're waiting for the all, call up all, to the big leagues. 12-volt <laughs> sub-method and O.Z. Willis were minor league yeah. um, baseball. But, yeah, we was about to do a um, showcase at the Exit Inn. And it was about two and a half, three weeks, maybe longer. I don't really remember. I just called the manager and said, I'm I'm done. So a showcase is kind of like there's going to be a lot of record labels. It was a concert that labels were going to. The people that wanted yeah. to sign the band, and yeah, so it's so, it. So what I'm saying is that uh, it wasn't like okay, guys, we tried this. This was a flame out. This is not working. It was kind of really the opposite. Like mm-hmm. we're going the right direction, mm-hmm. but you just had this thing where a trigger of some sort that just said, you know what, I'm done. Yeah, and when I uh, can you came, tell us more here? I mean, this is like your whole life has been leading up to this. You're passionate about it. Guys, giving you like this talent. Things are going good. Like. And you I, walked away. Just give was, us the meat of this. What's going on? I was 20, mid-late 20s. And, uh, you know, you just start looking around and, and it starts becoming, I don't know, it just wasn't fun, you know. And, and I believed in the band I was with. They were great, great writing, great artist. I just... I don't know. I really, and you just get tired. I mean, this is my third minor league baseball team, <laughs> and you, it gets to a point to where you know, you, you just kind of go, "Is this it?" You know, I, I wish I had something more to throw at you. And in my life, I feel like probably there was a time when I graduated high school and went to college, kind of obviously more traditional route than becoming a drummer in a rock band. But I came up in a, a faith-based home. I would be remiss if I said I didn't in my early twenties when I was doing college and having fun and, you know, drinking beers with the boys. I never, nothing crazy, crazy, but there's a drift there away from where you were in your life, where mm-hmm. your kind of roots were, for me anyways. And I guess it was probably my mid-20s, like, you know what, I, I kind of let myself drift off from where my core is, my, my faith, my beliefs, 
are not as strong as they should be. I'm not living the life I should. So is it kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, I've, I've drifted far enough from where you my know, core was I, at? I, yeah, and, and it's the one thing that, that you have in common with Christians and brothers is no matter what you do, whether it's drinking with the buddies in a field doing something, there's always that threshold. There's that right. level. And uh, I definitely got to that level. You know, you look around at your friends and, and that aren't in musicians and you right. see what they're doing and you're kind of going, you know, am I going to be that guy at 48, 50 years old sitting at the end of the bar right. waiting for his time to get up on the stage and play for 15, 20 minutes, right. you know, and it just kind of got, and it wasn't doubt or doubt of my ability. It just kind of, it was a trigger. I mean, literally right. nothing fancy just was like, you're done. So let me ask you this, sure. because I, I, I totally admire the fact that you were able to make such an impulsive, but not in a negative way, but yeah, just, yeah. you were just able to make a split second decision, like, you know what, I don't want to do this. Me personally, I couldn't do that because I, I don't know, I just, I'm the type of person that I can't quit a job until I have another one lined up. So after you made that decision, did you already have something in your head like, I'm going to do this now, or was it a like... car business. Okay, so you, you had that in mind, you were going to start a car business. No, I, that's what I did when I graduated uh, school. I went on the road, came back, spent more money than I made, sold cars during the day, and would record at night because drumming is expensive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no endorsements, no nothing like that. Yeah. I had to pay for them stuff, and I wanted nice stuff, so I had to sell a lot of cars to do that. So the only thing, other thing I knew was uh, was car business. So that was what I did. I actually took my drum kit and sold it at the pawn shop. So how did... Uh, so you just completely set the drums aside and walked away... I picked my drums up on a Saturday, and I was at the pawn shop that Monday and sold every <laughs> everything that I had. I didn't own a drum kit. And you did all this like in the span of a weekend, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you call them on a Friday, said, I'm done. Saturday, the drum kit that you've spent money and your mm-hmm. life on, you just picked it up it on all. Saturday. And it was, it was pretty crappy of me to do it, but it's like I felt I didn't have any choice. I just was done. So I picked my drums up that Saturday at our rehearsal space, and um, Monday I was at the pawn shop and sold it all. Was there any regret after that, looking back and saying, man, you know, what was that the right decision? Did I make the right decision? Was there any of that kind of like hindsight after the fact of, or was it, hey, this is my new path, I'm on it? I made a deal with God. I said, you know, help me straighten the ship, and I won't play drums again. Yeah. It was basically... Not that you lost your love of drumming. It was that lifestyle, the rock scene, all that just was, it was, you've, you literally had maybe reached your threshold or started even stepping over and was like, this is not the way I want my life to go. Yeah. You get in the shower, a rock drummer, you get out of the shower, I'm no longer a rock drummer. A car 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 salesman, salesman. yeah. So literally that (laughs) road to Damascus moment where you just walk away. It, it, and, and. You know, I wish I could give y'all some kind of like light, but it was just like that. Well, you mentioned like the the deal with God. Was it was it a deal like you're kind of offering God a deal? Like I just can't, oh, I did. I, I, said, I, can't I won't play. This. I won't ever. I won't ever play drums again. If just, you just, just help me write the ship. Just do something in my life. Yeah. It wasn't more that it wasn't that you felt him calling you out. It was more like I'm desperate. I was going to him. Yeah. Yeah. It was 100. Okay. percent I was going to him. I mean, I was raised a Christian. I mean, I was raised in Iron North, Steve Flat. Uh, you know, I knew right from wrong. I knew this. I knew I wasn't doing, living my best life. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And, and I just, that was a lot of it. And I felt like I was on top of my game. But I just literally woke up and said, I'm done. And I wish, I've been asked that question a bunch of times. What was that thing? And I really don't have a true answer. But I know when I made the decision that that's when I told God that I, I'm going to play drums again. Let's make a deal. Yeah, let's make a deal. Seriously. So I know, you know, it was many years till you played again. I mean, what is... Tom calculated it 14. So 14 years. 14 never years. Picked drum, never picked up a never even had sticks and patting nope. them out on the table. Nope. Nothing. And my kids knew, and they've heard some of my music, and they knew Daddy was crazy. That's what they, you know. <laughs> you know, they've seen pictures. You know, there's a there was a picture of me with an 8 by 10 eyeliner, white hair, no shirt on, piercings. Exactly what Kyle looks like yeah, right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take a picture. My later. son looks at it and looks up at me and looks down at the picture and looks up at me and goes, Daddy, you look silly. <laughs> I took him to uh, school at a football game, and the Army was there, in a little booth over there by the concession stands. They just had this thing set up. And 
my son comes running back to me just like all excited with some army drumsticks. They were just little. <laughs> okay. He goes, Dad, look what I got. Like and he was just I. like, ah, don't touch me with them. I was like, thanks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and they set up in my laundry room for up until I started back at Northfield. Yeah. It's like handing an alcoholic a beer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, look at this cool beer can. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the guys knew. I mean, like I said, that's where I want the picture thing. They've seen pictures, and I used to have it over there. Um, and, and they know what I look like, and they're too young. But, I mean, they know that. I uh I was a rock drummer. Yeah. So you felt like I mean, did you have the desire to play drums during yeah. those fourteen years, or was it just totally gone? Done. And was it because you just felt like you made a deal, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't allow yourself to want to go there? Maybe. I had, I I made a deal first off. Second. Boy, you make a deal with this guy. It's iron clad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I just uh, I'm gonna buy a car from him. Yeah. I just I just was done. My house got broken into, and. All my records, everything was gone except for what I brought here. Okay. That's all I had left. I used to have like boxes. Why somebody would want to steal that, I have no idea. But they. <laughs> Big sub method fan. Yeah, I guess so. Whatever. <laughs> but uh, they probably thought it was something real valuable. But yeah. I had nothing. And it wasn't until recently that I started reconnecting with some of my old guitar players and stuff. We'd reach through Facebook and talk through Facebook. Or they would send me, hey, guess what I found? Here, look what I got. You know? And they would send me this stuff. And that's the only way I got it is on my yeah, phone. digital copies. Yeah. That's so it. that was kind of one of my questions to kind of feel. We want to jump ahead to that kind of that 14 years later. But those relationships you had in the music world, yeah. in your band world, were those ever healed from that? Or they, are guys, they are now. They are now. 100%. Yeah. Uh, Curious and, about and, that. and I wouldn't say that it was ever – the last group I was with, um, I burnt that bridge – yeah, I threw some kerosene on that, you know, because I left them high and dry. But um, they were probably the first people that I reached out to. Yeah, um, four years ago. Yeah, I went to see them at a show. So they're still playing, still, mm-hmm. still in the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they not at the not at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, um, one of them is a won a Grammy as a producer huh. for the Nashville Symphony. Oh wow! Yeah, now that's a change. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did. He just well, he's won two Grammys for the Nashville Symphonies. Gary Call was his name. Hmm. And uh, he does that. But they would do it on the side and play shows and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I reached out to him and apologized. And, you know, I never really stopped talking to any of the guys. But, you know. You, you hit that 14-year window. Kind of talk to us about the moment that drumsticks re-entered your hand and kind of what that process became to you being... When your, wife, when your wife tells you to do something, do you do yeah, it? More than more. Yeah, well, if you don't, you should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that was literally the reason why I'm playing drums and doing that at Northfield is because of my wife. Yeah. So y'all were. So how long after y'all got married did she start pushing the buttons to? Pretty soon, yeah. she started doing. We was dating. She knew your background as a drummer. Just, oh, yeah. just kind of through the dating process. Hey, what what did you do when you were? Well, she'd always well, she always her, wanted to be married to a drummer. Yeah. No, trust me. No, 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 no. She still makes a joke that if she knew me back then, she would not be married to me today. <laughs> but no, she uh, she was best friends with my cousin, and uh, so she knew. I mean, pretty much anybody that knows me, yeah, knows what I did, yeah. Um, but when you sit there and you start what ifing and look what I used to do, I'd go pull that box out or I'd hear one of my songs or we'd go out to dinner and then on the way home she'd be driving and I'd sit there and start messing with my phone and say, hey, let's listen to this song. Hey, you know that's me. And it just came to the point where it's an eye roll thing. Yeah. And she sent me a text one day and it was, um, she goes, go get your drum kit. I was like, no, honey, you know, don't spend the money. Da, 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 da. Well, I was at work and she started sending me that Facebook marketplace just pictures of pieces of crap drum kits. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, yeah. like, like I won't be bongos. caught. I won't be caught playing drums on that. No, I mean, what I mean is just, just she, her last, I mean, she sent me like three or four of them. Her last one was, you better go get one or I'm going to buy you something you hate. <laughs> but she wanted me to get at first an acoustic uh, uh, kit. And um, I'm like, honey, first, you don't know how hard I play. And second, you don't know how loud that is. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I want to stay married to you. Yeah, yeah. No, not even that. I, want, yeah. I don't want the neighbors. And, yeah. and so I, I started doing some research. Back when I was drumming, you wouldn't have an electric kit. You couldn't pay me to play an electronic kit. I mean, they were hot garbage. Yeah. But the way they are now, like the one I play at church and when I got at my house, they were, I mean, they've come a long way. So I went out and got one of those and there I go. So those drumsticks re-enter your hand. Is it just like, is it that moment where you have the epiphany of like, Man, I missed this for 14 years. This feels right sitting yeah. behind the kit. And 
the crazy thing was that I was scared and I made like I set it up and waited till everybody went to bed so I didn't want nobody to see in fact when I got them uh, my in-laws were over and it was during Christmas it was in January and I had them in a box and I knew my in-laws were coming over and Deanna in front of everybody go ahead and set them up set them up I, you know, I'm like you know I was going to do this tomorrow I kind of want to visit with family and I didn't want to play in front of anybody so yeah I played it and there you go. It's just yeah. like riding a bike at that yeah. point. Honestly, it was. My question is like, okay, because you've breezed through the fact that it's like, okay, I didn't play. It was my passion. I didn't want to do anything else my whole life. I quit. 14 years later, here I am again. It doesn't seem like it can be that black and white to me. It's like, wh- what was your feeling when you touched those drumsticks? Oh, when the, uh, after 14 years? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it was, um, you know... I went, got the kit, found me a set of drumsticks, and I sat behind there, and it was kind of a fear, you know, because, I mean, I knew what I needed to do, muscle memory, but it was uh, felt cool. It hurt, but... Um, this is a guy from the outside looking in. You make a deal with God. Yep. You think you're honoring the deal by not touching drumsticks for 14 years, when, in fact, God was making a totally different deal with you. You just didn't realize it. 100%. He made the deal. You didn't make the deal. Mm-hmm. Your son bringing you a pair of drumsticks at a football game yep. was the beginning of the seed being planted. And then you marry a woman who is so persistent on you getting drums that she's going to buy you drums, a.k.a. God's working through your wife. To well, get even, you... even before that, when yeah. uh, Tom did that whole series about music instruments, yeah, I was against it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. there's no way. How are you going to lose a lot of members? There's no way that I'm going to... I'm not going to. I'm not going to be your tool of the devil. No, no, no. I mean, and, 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 you know, Tom did. Tom yeah. and Trent and all of them. I heard you was a drummer. I was. Like, I was. It was. I'm not no more. It was a keyword. And then they kept asking me, asking me, asking me. Then he did that whole sermon about series about musical instruments in church. And believe it or not, I was adamantly against having musical instruments during worship. Didn't because you grew up way. Church of Christ, hundred percent, hundred percent. Ira North, Steve Flat, Church of Christ. Pat yeah. Boone in his white yeah. shoes, doing this right here. Okay, <laughs> that that's how I came up. But yeah, it it um, no, it's Nick Boone. Yeah. Nick yeah. Boone Pat Boone was the me. rocker. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Nick Boone. But that's what I come up, and I was against it. And then towards the end, he was like, "If we don't, you know, Tom just kind of how Tom does. I mean, it just." He should be a car salesman because, I mean, it just made so much sense to me. I mean, about this generation, about how you can do music and play stuff and use it as worship. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So they started doing that at the middle school. Then they went to the uh, the church, the new church we're at now. You know, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. You know, and it just started. That's when Deanna really started getting after me. And they started getting after me, too. But then it's just, I got the kit, and it was a few more months of me just playing at the house. And Deanna came up, and I was playing my old music to see if I could still play it. And then she goes, hey, play this song. And one of the first songs was a Revelation song. And uh, I started playing it. I'm like, you know, it's pretty cool. And started really paying attention to the music at church. And I was like, man, there's some good stuff to this. When I've listened to the songs on YouTube, I'm like, this has got some, this got some, yeah. some teeth to it. I've said this multiple times, but... I feel like we never know like how God uses us, you know. And I, I still remember I didn't know you well. Mm-hmm. I knew who you were. Yeah. I still remember seeing you up there for the first time. I was like, oh yeah, I remember Travis. I kn- I remembered that you used to play drums, but yeah. I had no idea that you hadn't played for fourteen years. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. I knew none of your story. And I was sitting over there next to you, and I was like, I don't remember a thing about that service, but I remember you. Yeah. Like you were you were worshiping. Yeah. It was it was awesome. I remember I walked away that day feeling closer to the Lord because I watched you play drums. There's, there's yeah, I know. I had the same reaction because I didn't, I mean, I, and I had known you for going to church with you for probably three, four years at this point. And, you know, your 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 kids go to my school. And so we had interacted through that. And, uh, and But I had no idea of your, your history, you know, before that and drumming. And so it was the, the weirdest thing just to see you on stage. And I was like, holy cow, like when did... When did Travis start? Like it was just a did he just yeah, learn like, the drums? Cow, this, yeah. is, this is neat. Yeah. But then it was like, like I watched you for a second. It was like this. No, this is not this dude's first first go around. Like this dude, February, this dude knows what he's doing. January, two years ago, I guess it would be. And I hadn't played for fourteen years, mm-hmm. and just how nervous were you that first time you played? I wasn't. Church? Never. Just I, all came back. Yeah. 
I'm no stage fright, man. You, you could have gave me a hundred guesses man. about. Nah. Tell me this guy's background. You just started with, oh, he played drums in high school and he went to college and done all that. I the hundredth <laughs> guess, I still wouldn't have got to. This guy had two piercings and white hair and was playing at Starwood. <laughs> well, that's what you never, don't do. I mean, now yeah. you don't say. You meet somebody. Go, hey, I'm Travis Howell. I used to be a rock drummer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to buy a car or yeah. get a mortgage? Yeah. 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 I don't know how you're not nervous, man. I can't play. Guitar hero with the drums without like getting drop or going into a cold sweat. The like, most comfortable the, the that I am one. is is up there. So, man, we can't thank you enough. We we probably could go to two or three more hours talking about your story, but we just kind of, we hope we really relayed to the audience kind of what your background was and some fun stories, and hope you enjoyed your time here. And we hope people really get a lot out of what you your story and what you had to tell. Man, we really all admire you. A, I'm super jealous of you because you're an awesome <laughs> drummer, and B, you're doing it for the Lord, which you know is something I hope we can all find our talents that that we have. And we just always kind of close with a little what we call Bible time and I kind of wanted to we, we usually do it after but I kind of wanted to do it with you here um, we hope you enjoyed our interview uh, I always find people with life altering moments to be fascinating the Bible is full of these stories whether it's Peter being called away for being, from being a fisherman or Paul being given a new mission to the, on the road to Damascus but people like Travis prove that these types of stories aren't exclusive to Bible times they're happening still today and God is using these people God has given us all different talents and gifts and abilities. Travis is using his exceptional music skills to what he calls drum for Jesus. It's really up to us to be open to the calling of God like Travis was and to use those gifts for the greater good. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does act of acts of mercy and does it with cheerfulness. So, Travis, from all of us, man, just thanks for coming on. Thanks for telling your story. I appreciate it, man. I've and enjoyed we, it. We hope it inspired people out there. I hope so too. I've enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. The denominators are Ryan Smith, Kyle Binkley, Daniel Knox. Lance Jones, and me, Adam Ray. Thanks to Chet Roberts for providing our music. If you like what you heard, please hit that subscribe button and tell a friend. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at CommonPod. That's C-O-M-M-E-N-P-O-D. And if you have a question or a comment for our group, or you'd like to submit an idea for a future podcast, please email us at commondenominators at gmail.com. That's C-O-M-M-E-N denominators at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.